Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, good morning. How are you? I missed you yesterday. Did you miss me? You can tell me you did and no hard feelings. You can tell me you didn't actually and no hard feelings. But I hope everybody had a great day. You know, I did not get a chance to talk about Vin Scully, the passing of the Dodger slash World Series slash football, really the greatest broadcaster, play-by-play man that I think the country has ever seen. I first came into seeing or listening to Vin Scully way, way back. I can't even tell you what World Series it was, but I was watching with my father, and I was always a big fan of broadcasters. I always paid attention to broadcasters. And I remember it was about 73, 74, whatever it was. And I told my father, I go, Dad, this guy makes baseball sound fun and important and makes this game sound big. And he told me his name. He said it was Vin Scully. And I, ever since then, of course, like everybody else, we paid attention because Vin Scully did do 28 World Series games, three perfect games, Dodger games for 67 years. But even more than that, Vince Scully kind of redefined how broadcasting should be. There's something called laying out in broadcasting. Laying out when you're doing a game means basically shutting the hell up and letting the producer and the director hum a little bit. What do I mean by hum? Show the crowd. Listen to the crowd noise. Nothing worse. And I know we have some iconic... Uh, announcers that jump in the way and everybody thinks they're great, but there's nothing worse than a big moment where some broadcaster is blabbing and you hear it all the time. You see it all the time. Somebody goes, Oh, I don't believe it. And, And all that kind of stupidity. Vince Scully mastered the art of the layout. He let the crowd tell the story. And I saw something on ESPN. He said it was selfish that he did that because he liked to hear the crowd noise. All I know is this. I've paid attention to broadcasters forever. Vince Scully, I told you the story of my father. There's a man named Irv Cross, who you may not even remember. Irv Cross was on the original, the original pregame NFL show. NFL today. Phyllis George, Irv Cross, Brent Musburger, Jimmy DeGreek. Well, the reason I paid attention to Irv Cross was because Irv Cross was from my neck of the woods. I'm from northwest Indiana. Irv Cross was from Hammond, Indiana, which is just right there. We're all considered the region. We're all considered Northwest Indiana. Those are the first two guys that I really paid attention to. And I think the other thing about Vin Scully was his voice. It was soothing. It was nice. It was mellow. It was like a Sunday afternoon. If anybody ever sounded like the sport of baseball, it was Vin Scully. Vin Scully passed away. It's a further reminder that we all pass away. A lot of people in L.A. are saying, hey, look, my childhood is gone. And I totally get that. Because Vin Scully was there when Jackie Robinson came in. Vin Scully was there calling the the Brooklyn bums. That's what they were called at the time. Hank Aaron's 715th home run. Sandy Koufax's perfect game. Of course, of course, Kirk Gibson's dramatic home run. 
in his only at bat in the 19, what was it, 88 World Series? Vince Scully called them all. And then, of course, people may or may not recognize this or realize this, but Montana to Clark was called by Vince Scully. If Vince Scully called it, it was important. That's how I look at it. If Brett Musburger called it, it was important. That's, again, there are certain guys. I felt that way for years about Dick Vitale. If Dick Vitale called the game, it was an important and going to be fun college basketball game. Frankly, we don't have that anymore, particularly in college basketball. We need it. Baseball, I think, has been watered down. I actually heard Vince Scully say this. I just saw it on TV. When Hank Aaron hit his 715th home run, a black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South. Now, I got to tell you, back in those days, that was, I imagine, pretty risky to say. Back in this day, you'd have half of the the people on the woke side protesting you. But Vince Scully just painted a real picture. And I think that's an example. Vince Scully was bigger than we were watching it. And I think that's an example. I don't believe what I just saw. He said what I was thinking. And I didn't even know the whole background to Kirk Gibson not playing. I didn't know that Kirk Gibson was in the daggone locker room, clubhouse, watching Vince Scully saying that Kirk Gibson isn't going to play today with bags on his knees. Scully said it. Gibson heard it. Gibson came out. Home run. Scully called it perfectly. Rest in peace, Vince Scully. Rest in peace. You've given a lot of people a lot of joy over so many years. You deserve a rest. At some point today, Not sure what time, later on today, Brittany Griner is going to be sentenced. Those of you that have paid attention to this, Brittany Griner, star basketball player, apparently brought cannabis in her baggage to an airport as she left Russia to fly back to the United States. A lot has happened. A lot behind the scenes has happened. And one of the things that has happened is diplomacy has reached the highest levels. Now, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken urged, urged, listen to this, urged Sergei Lavron, who is his counterpart in Russia, to accept a deal for Brittany Griner and Marine Paul Whelan, who was convicted of espionage, for Victor Bount, a known arms dealer serving a 25-year sentence here in the United States. The United States is urging the release of an arms dealer who is a sworn enemy of the United States for Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of for it. I am. I want Americans out of places like Russia. If you screwed up, fine. If you committed a heinous crime, fine. But I always think there's a backstory, and I always wonder this. What's the backstory to Brittany Griner? What's the real backstory here? There have been allegations of files that have been switched, files that have been changed. I don't know. You don't know. None of us know. But we're all Americans, and I would like to get Brittany Griner out of there. Yes, she's an entitled American. Yes, she disliked America. Yes, she was stupid enough 
to talk about not playing the national anthem. Of course, like all athletes in our country that get to a certain level, she becomes a moron, and everybody in the freaking press media praises her because she is, well, a great basketball player. She's six foot whatever and could put a ball through a hoop, so that grants her immunity over being stupid. We see it all the time. We see it with LeBron James, his ability to either be, yes, the GOAT, no, the GOAT, who cares? He's six foot eight, 280 pounds, and could a ball through a hoop, yet he's a social justice icon. Fine. But Brittany Griner needs to be out. It's six months. She needs to be out. I've been harping about this for four months. But today, or two months, excuse me, today it's going to come down later on today. And it may come down in this show. The prosecutor in the case is recommending nine and a half years, basically the 10-year sentence minus six months time served. You and I both know, regardless of your feeling about Brittany Griner, that's too much. I mean, let, you have to have a certain amount of compassion and empathy. One of Brittany Griner's problems is that she, well, went to jail in the middle of escalated tensions between the United States and Russia. She got arrested, basically, when the United States gave $40 billion to Ukraine to fight a war against Russia. Now, I don't know if Russia knew what they had here. I don't know if they knew they had a political prisoner. I don't know if they had a pawn. I don't know if they were just arresting somebody who was tall in an airport and had cannabis. I don't know, but now it's all different. Exchanging a basketball player for a known killer, arms dealer, sworn enemy of the United States seems stupid. Political pressure is on the White House. Midterms are coming up. This administration has been a complete train wreck. It's trying like hell to rectify all the stupid, stupid, stupid policies that have put us in a state that goes back to the 19, late 1970s with Jimmy Carter. Brittany Griner is in the middle of this, and that's unfortunate. Empathy says, look, six months for cannabis in an airport, let's go. We'll see what happens. We will. And I know a lot of you disagree with me. I know a lot of you feel she's entitled and should be kept there. I simply cannot go there. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. All right. Here we go. Six-game suspension. Deshaun Watson. What to do? But here's what's going to happen. And yesterday... By the way, the Cleveland Browns are off today. Yesterday, Deshaun Watson was informed that the NFL is going to appeal. Now, either later today or tomorrow, you'll see a response to the NFL appealing by the NFL Players Association. The NFL had a couple of days after the verdict came down from Judge Robinson. It came down. The NFL got their act together read the verdict, read the ruling, and responded saying, we are going to appeal. And as you all know, the NFL purportedly, I'm going to get to the as you all know in a second, the NFL purportedly wants a couple of things, at least a year with an indefinite suspension, a fine, and counseling. Here's why they want a year and indefinite. They want a year as a baseline. They want an indefinite in case, in case anything else comes about. Remember, 
once folks went on television, once the victims went on television, we saw more victims. Once we saw more victims, we saw some of those victims after a report came out in the New York Times detailing Watson's actions, we saw some of those victims go back at the Houston Texans for aiding and abetting. We then saw the Houston Texans say, whoa, 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 we don't need this action. So they settled with everybody that sued them for aiding and abetting whilst claiming innocence. Good for you. So what to do here? Let me ask you all a question. This is a tough spot. This is a tough spot for everyone. Watson first. Watson thought, okay, I'm going to get over on this. Yes, I was guilty. Yes, the report was damning. It did allege sexual assault. It did allege hurting the integrity of the league. It did allege attempt and, excuse me, intent to do harm to others. It did say that he went and got all these massages, not for therapeutic reasons, however, for sexual reasons. It did say, treating him like a child, that, hey, look, Watson, yo, yeah, you can't go get massages anywhere other than from Brown's personnel. Now, I got to tell you, if I'm the husband of Brown's personnel massage lady, I ain't too happy. If I'm the wife, apparently Watson doesn't really do male massages, but if I'm the wife of a massage dude, I ain't not involving my husband in that either. I don't want to go within a freaking country mile of Watson or Robert Kraft when it comes to massage. One, who needs the pressure? Two, you don't want to be in the same room with those guys. I don't use this word very much, but this is icky. It's icky. Who the hell wants to be in a room with those two? But here's the bigger deal, and this is something that I'm fascinated by. This is under a collective bargain agreement between the NFLPA and the NFL. You ready for this? You know this. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the league, who already put it to an arbitrator, it already got to an arbitrator, Roger Goodell is the man, if he wants, to arbitrate the appeal. How dumb is the players' union for ever agreeing to that? Maybe they never felt it would get to this point, but how couldn't you? I mean, read the paper every single day, some NFL players getting arrested. I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without some dude getting arrested for name it, drugs, gun. I saw the other day, one dude, Marquise Brown, was going too fast in Arizona. Don't go too fast in Arizona. Not going to lie. Yesterday, I'm going 85 on cruise control to get home from Chicago after I missed a damn turn and it cost me an extra half hour to 45 minutes. I'm going 85. The gendarmes picked me up in Arizona. That's over 20, sometimes over 30 miles over the speed limit. My sorry, you know what is in jail. So it goes from that to name the crime. And the NFL players are involved in all of it. Okay. Does Roger Goodell decide, I'm going to be the guy that arbitrates this? You know what my think, well, you know what I think he does? I think he does. How can he not? What a horrible position everybody is in here. NFLPA looks stupid for allowing this. Goodell's going to look like an idiot because he already put it off to a judge, and now he just gets to arbitrate the judge's arbitration. 
Figure that one out, Spanky. Explain that one to me. I wish I had phone lines. 317-239-1070. That's my number at work. You want to call them, Jake and uh, Kevin are doing a show. Serious business. So he's going to sit there, listen to all of this, and then I would assume if he was the arbitrator, he's going to do what has been reported. Maybe not to the extent, maybe not, I don't know, a big fine, but I got to believe that he's going to arbitrate this in favor of him. <laughs> hey, Dan. Now nah, I'm not even going into what I would arbitrate. It is truly amazing that this is where we're at. And I got to tell you, I would imagine if standing right here, if these reports are true and they're never true, but if this time they are, you're going to see Deshaun Watson get a year with an indefinite suspension and a heavy fine. One of the sticking points here, as I have been told, as I discussed this with people, is the judge, Judge Robinson, she said that there was a sexual assault committed. I've been told that's big because it allows you to appeal and it gives you footing. Now, we all know what's going to happen here if, in fact, Goodell rules in favor of Goodell slash NFL. There will be charges of racism. There will be charges of, I don't know if the word is nepotism. I don't know what the hell it is. There, will, there should be charges of stupidism because D. Smith, who I really like, sat by him on a plane, great guy. But letting that go in there is insane to me. In my world, we don't agree, you and me. We send it to Dylan. He's the arbitrator. Dylan rules, we move along. That's my world, but it's a lot more money in their world than it is in the world of old Double D. This is really sad. <clears throat> My brother knew Jackie Walorski. My brother knew her from de having dealings in trying to get a massive data center built in northwest Indiana in our home, our home area. Jackie Walorski, Walorski was killed yesterday. She, and I'm going to say the names of the others, Zach Potts, and Emma Thompson, two staffers. Sometimes we forget that the staffers have families too. Emma Thompson was a communication director. Zach Potts was a staff member. They were driving up in northern Indiana. Elkhart County is pretty much, for the sake of argument, Notre Dame, at least the way I look at it. I'm not a big county guy. You know, I live in Indianapolis. I don't say I live in Marion County, but Elkhart County is up in northern part of the state. Two-lane road. Somebody crossed the center line. There's no real reason yet why a car crossed the center line. A northbound car crossed into the southbound traffic head-on, killing three people, including Woloski. You know, one of the things that I have learned over the course of getting older and older and older is you can't sweat stupid stuff. That life comes at you fast and life comes at you quick. And next thing you know, something happens. I'm going to a funeral on Saturday. Saturday evening, I'm going to a funeral in Columbus, Ohio, of a guy named John Shaw. John Shaw is my wife Lee's, follow me here, my wife Lee's ex-husband Jim Shaw's brother, uncle to Lee's children, Tegan and Jared. 
I'm going to go. John Shaw was sitting on a couch, 53, 54 years old, watching TV with his wife. Next thing you know, he had a seizure. Tried to revive him 26 minutes without oxygen to his brain. John Shaw died a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Jackie Walorski was a very, very, very highly thought of member of Congress. When you look at both sides of the aisle and the words that they are expressing about Jackie Walorski, she wasn't a star. She wasn't somebody that was in front of the cameras every day. She wasn't somebody that was ripping this side, ripping that side. She was a hardworking woman that got elected to Congress. I want to make sure I have uh, the year right. I have it here somewhere. But anyway, she, she got elected to Congress. She stayed in Congress and was respect, uh, 2013. She was respected by everyone. She's just driving down the street with her staffers. Just driving. Next thing you know, boom. Let's be nicer to each other. Let's have a little more empathy for each other. I opened up my Bible app today, and it was kind of interesting. I opened up my Bible app, and I was going to go on a rant today about some of my enemies. I felt like, you know what, I've had enough. So I opened up my Bible app, and here's what it says. I don't know if you can read that. That's a sign to me today. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Isn't it interesting how life goes sometimes? Isn't it fascinating? I'm in the shower this morning and I'm thinking about, yeah, these blankety blanks that did this to me and they wrote these articles and blah, 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 blah. And then I do what I normally do in the morning. I grab a cup of coffee Sit down and watch, read the Bible app. That's the first thing that came out. Yeah, I don't care about my enemies. I'll pray for them. Life's too short. Jackie Walorski was just someone trying to make a difference. Jackie Walorski was a woman working hard for her constituents in Congress. Again, since, nine, or excuse me, since 2013. Jackie Walorski, and actually the person driving on the northbound car too, I guarantee you something happened. Just living their lives, and next thing you know, in the blink of an eye, let's be nicer to people. Let's have a little empathy for people. I mean, let's rip if we have to, you know. But let's have a little empathy. Let's, let's, you know, do that old hug your kids a little closer today. Call a friend. By the way, I had a great day with my friend Bill Parks and my brother and Bill's son yesterday. I'm going to call them today and tell them, make sure they know. Seems like the right day to do it. Um, Juan Soto played yesterday. Juan Soto, the mega superstar from the, the Nationals coming off of a 2019 World Series. Man, he gets traded. He's in San Diego. Juan Soto got a hit and a walk yesterday. 44,000 people came out to watch the San Diego Padres. I'm going to tell you something. If the San Diego Padres don't get great attendance for all that they have done, Wow. They'll never get great attendance. They did yesterday, and Soto delivered. Juan Soto now said this about opposing pitchers. Me too, Juan Soto. I feel bad for I opposing pitchers. I wish good luck to the older pitchers. <laughs> I wish good luck to the older pitchers. <laughs> I wish good luck to the other pitchers. <laughs> I wish good luck to all the pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the other deal. Remember, there's a lot of luck that goes into winning a World Series, a Super Bowl, an NBA title, 
I don't know. Remember this. When you look at luck, remember the guy Dart? I talk about him all the time. The safety for the 49ers who had the ball in his hands under 10 minutes to go for an interception on Matt Stafford up 10 points. The 49ers were going to get the ball with less than 50 yards to go. Up 10 points, under 10 minutes. In the uh, in the NFC Championship game, it was over for the Los Angeles Rams, and they're bringing in Stafford, and they're bringing in Darnold, and they're bringing in OBJ. Over. It was a standing eight count when the ball was here. If he would have caught it, it'd have been a ten count. But he dropped it, and everybody went to their corner and started over. And the Rams got it done, no matter how many players they brought in. Same thing here for San Diego. This isn't over because they got a guy batting 240 who is a superstar. I think he's great. A lot of luck have to be involved. A lot of luck. You get one hot pitching staff in one playoff series, and next thing you know, I don't know. All I'm saying is, don't get too cocky. We got any video from his press conference? Is that what you're telling me? Let's go. I like video of Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto is a good-looking dude, strong dude. We got a little video from his press conference? I wish good luck to the other peeps. <laughs> oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish good luck to him, too. We got a monster coming. Hey, did you see this? Our friend, Allison Williams. Not only is she back on Fox... Allison Williams is going to be with Jason Benetti. We'll talk to Allison coming up in five minutes. Ah, uh, this is sad news. This is just, I don't like it. Paige Beckers, who is probably the best player in college, women's college basketball, or was before she tore her meniscus last year, causing her to miss 19 games. Now, Paige Beckers is a tough, tough, tough woman. She came back. UConn got good. They went to the national championship game. She tore ACL. She tore her ACL, and she is out for the season. I hate this. I mean, I could not hate this worse. Gina Oriema have been talking about how hard Paige Becker's worked to get back from her injuries, how hard and how much stronger she had gotten. Torn ACLs can go one of two ways. I had one player that had three of them. And he always came back quick. His body was weird. I had another player that had one. He didn't want to rehab. He didn't want to do much. Next thing you know, he never really came back. I feel bad for Paige Beckers. I've told you this before. I hate when kids get hurt. And to me, Paige Beckers is a kid. I hate when players that are great get hurt. I hate when people can't fulfill their potential because of injury. UConn will be fine. Why? Because UConn's always fine. Gino Oriama could coach any sport, anytime, anywhere, and be successful. They've got McDonald's All-Americans. They've got whatever you need they've got, but they don't have Paige Beckers. And that's a damn, damn shame. Hope she gets better. Hope her pro career, if that's where she's headed, is great. I'm rooting for Paige Beckers. I just hate to see that happen. You go through it once, that's life, right? Twice, just horrible luck. And an ACL, we all know, is no fun. Uh, we got a lot today. We got the damn awards. I got some mean tweets coming up. I got Jason Allen Hammer. 
Hammer time at 10.30. 9.30. I've told you this. Eight dubs. Allison Williams. Back. Fox, smart enough to hire her and put her with the great Jason Benetti and the great Brock Hewitt. How about them apples? A-dubs, you talk about a good person getting exactly what they deserve. She's the best I've worked with, and I've worked with Sam Ponder. I've worked with a bunch. Nobody better than Allison Williams. Smart, fun, ready, prepared, and she's back on Fox, and she's back on our show. That's right. It's a little early for A-dubs. 6.30. Lives on the West Coast. I didn't do my makeup this morning. We'll be right back. Allison Williams, Don't At Me Awards, Mean Tweets, Jason Hammer, Woke Dope. Where are you going? Tell your friends. Punch that button. Hit retweet. Let's go. Don't at me. I wish good luck to the other peeps. (laughs) Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guess who's back, back, back. Allison's back, back, back. Guess who's back, guess who's back. My wife tells me, never dancing. If I am, if I am keep it in here. You know what I'm saying? Hey, keep Dubs, it tight. you are back. Fox, <laughs> keep it tight. Yeah, You're back. Fox, Fox football with, with the great Jason Benetti, Brock Hewitt. How awesome is this? How'd this come about, my friend? Really quickly, um, well, kind of, I mean, in some ways, uh, first of all, I, I can't even like overemphasize just how incredibly thankful I am because, you know, there's points when you just, you don't know, like, you don't know if you're ever going to get to do this again. Um, when you, when you make a decision like this, you, you have to kind of be at peace with that. And so I was scared. I was scared that like, I might not get an opportunity to cover, to cover football again. Um, and actually, I, I have to give a ton of thanks to Brock Hewart, who, who reached out to his bosses and said, um, you know, I think Allison would be a good fit. I think she could really add value to this company. I worked with him for a couple of seasons on college football. And we were pretty tight. And we had a wonderful, wonderful crew at ESPN with Bob Oshusen and Jim Zeroli, our director, and Jimmy Platt, who's on Monday Night Football now. I mean, just really, really talented people across the board. And, and, and Brock was um, at the heart of that. So he kind of went to bat for me with Fox. Um, and I, I mean, credit to my agent, Tom Young at CAA, who, you know, kept pushing the executives over there. Like, Hey, do you think you have a spot? Do you think you have a spot? Um, and then, you know, they agreed to kind of meet beginning of July, but I mean, we just met chalked, like talked very informal. So I didn't kind of know where it was going to go. And I literally got a text like on Thursday from my agent, um, Hey, they want to offer, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, good, sign it. Like, I don't, done. Like, don't give them time to back up, get it in writing, get it signed. Like, I don't, there's no negotiating. They could have sent me to cover peewee football in Alaska or, I don't know, the frozen tundra somewhere, and I would have done it. I, I didn't care. I just wanted to be back in the game. Um, and what they offered me was, you know, beyond fabulous with being with Benetti, being with Brock. Um, we, I won't do a full season. I'll probably do 
I think right now about nine games, which honestly is kind of perfect. Um, cause I've got all, you know, I've still got the daily wire stuff, got a new baby. Um, so it like, when I say it couldn't work out any better, I, I truly mean it. It's just, I'm so freaking thankful and, uh, praise the God. Cause you know, people kept saying like, he's got a plan, he's got a plan. And, and you want to believe that. And I, I truly did, but, um, it's hard when you don't know what that's going to be and what it's going to look like and what it's going to entail. And I'm just, I'm, I'm beyond excited and grateful. And I just hope to God, I don't cry when I get to the game because I'm going to screw up my makeup or something <laughs> because it's entirely possible with the hormones after pregnancy and just the buildup and, um, the, just the joy I feel. I'm just, I'm, I'm so stoked. All right, let's go back. Now, you get, you know, ESPN basically gives you an ultimatum, get vaxxed <clears throat> or go mm -hmm. home. You make a hell of a choice. I mean, a hell of a choice and give up a career where I just said, you know, of the people I've worked with, you are the best, absolute best at your job. And now, all of a sudden, you're out, you're home. We all, you know, we all move into our regular lives. Mm -hmm. Um how much in the back of your mind did it bother you not to be, one, not to be on the sideline, two, that really when you look at what has transpired with vaccines, you were right, uh, mm -hmm. and three, wondering, am I ever going to get to do this again? Yeah, you know, the last year has been kind of like a roller coaster of emotions. Um, there were times last fall where I would, I'd just be sitting in front of my TV crying, watching games because I'm like, bullshit, you know? Um, shit. <laughs> and it was hard because I knew how hard I worked to get there. And I knew none of it was handed to me. And I knew, um, I knew how much I loved it. And it just didn't seem fair that I had to choose um, between doing what I loved and providing for the people that I loved and, you know, what I felt like was jeopardizing my, my pot potentially my ability to grow my family. I just didn't think that was a choice you should have to make in a free country. And while I, um, I, I understood, you know, the consequences of the decision I was forced to make, it was really hard. It was really hard last fall, especially. And then in the final four, like, you know, knowing I'd be there for coverage in different events that really mean a lot to you and you, like I knew my crew, so I knew what games I would be at. Um, so it was hard and it was emotional. And there were times when like, I just, there were some Saturdays last fall, like I'd put it on in the morning and I'd look at my husband, like we got to like, just get out and get out of the house and go to the beach <laughs> or just go somewhere, like get away. Like I can't, like, this is just going to make me depressed. And, and we would. And so I, there were times when I definitely just for like my own mental well-being had to kind of remove myself and from, from watching games certain weekends. Cause it was just too hard. Um, and then I started, you know, like I think around winter, I, I kind of got into a routine and I was like, all right, I have to find the joy in this. And, and I did. And it was with my son. And then I was pregnant. And so it was like knowing that I had that, um, it, which was interesting. Like you're, you know, everybody knows you're trying to conceive and then like puts this weird pressure, like, oh my God, what if I don't get pregnant? And that's going to look like I was like lying or something. Right. Um, so that was like a huge relief. So so once I kind of just leaned into like, look, this, this could be a year um, that I never have again, because if I do work, then I don't have this time at home. And so I just really leaned into like the mom side. I tried to like figure out what the hell I like to do outside of work and sports. And so I, I got a garden plot and I told you before I got chickens and like other weird shit that I've always wanted to do that I never had time to do. Um, 
And, and I just kind of embrace that and try to learn some new things and, and, and find the joy and the happiness and having a sex or time at home. And I, I honestly did like freaking loved the time with my son. And I just loved that we were able to, to have that when, when we usually wouldn't. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of my focus. And I knew that I had to like get to a place where if this didn't work out with Fox or if I didn't get, cause I kind of felt like if I didn't get back this year, I probably wouldn't. Honestly, you know how this industry is. It's like people kind of forget about you. Other people come up and develop and um, there's so many talented and um, and worthy people out there for this job. It's very competitive. So there just aren't a lot of positions that I felt like I could could fill. And after a certain amount of time, I probably wouldn't. And so I, I felt like that if it didn't happen this year, there's a good shot it might not happen. Um, and I think that's why it was just, I, it was so emotional to, to, to finally be able to say like, yes, I'm coming back. I'm going to be back in this job and uh, with a company that values me um, and respects my decisions, which was huge. And um, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a, it's been a wild last year. Like when I step back and think about where I was one year ago today and going through the process with ESPN and that kind of heartbreak, and then now being able to, to celebrate you know, having a kid, which was the number one goal, um, having a new career opportunity. Um, it's just what a difference a year makes, I guess. Let, let me, let me, let me, from an outsider's view, I'm not living your life, but from an outsider's view, um, and I hope you look at it this way. What, what a perfect year. Like you stand up, which I think is so important. You have consequences. You handle yourself with dignity. Then let's go personal. You have a baby in a year where you have the time where you're not mm -hmm. running around. You're not going from sideline to sideline. The baby is healthy, yeah. right? You get a chance now to start a new show um, with, with, with the, uh, the, I always get it wrong, the Daily Mail, Daily right? Wire. Daily Wire. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I always yeah. get screwed up. And now <laughs> you're back in a position that you were at before all of this mm -hmm. happened. See, I think, I, I, I'm amazed at how perfect this worked out. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's a very, very happy ending, for sure. Like, and, and that is not lost on me that there are, you know, pieces at play that I did not control that other people did that I'm incredibly thankful for. Like I'm, I'm so thankful that the daily wire immediately reached out. I mean, like they, within days, Ben Shapiro got my cell and called me and was like, I don't know what we're going to do, but let's figure it out and let's do something. And, and just that financially like was huge because that's the other component of this. I mean, my husband works, but we were dependent on my income to a certain extent. I mean, I, I made decent money at ESPN. I wasn't, you know, out buying a yacht, but um, our health insurance and, and a lot of our expenses were, were covered by me. So that was like, what the hell are we going to do? But we'll figure it out. And so just from like a financial standpoint, just to know there was some sort of life raft uh, with Daily Wire was huge. And then it allowed me this like creative outlet as well, because I mean, even though we haven't released anything yet, we spent like four months kind of figuring out what we were going to do and just meeting weekly and like cultivating this and crafting what we wanted this to look like. And so it gave me kind of this this purpose through everything, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a creative outlet, which was huge for me. Um, and then now, yeah, like now to be in that sideline role, which for me is why I got into this business, right? I mean, there's nothing better than live events. Um, so yeah, it has worked out really, really, really beautifully 
most importantly of which is a healthy, you know, baby girl. Um, and, and there's so many people that had a role in that, like outside of anything I had to do. So I'm, I'm just thankful to all those people. I'm thankful to the support of my family. Who's just been awesome. I mean, like my parents are in a little town, you know, doc, it's just outside of Ann Arbor there. And they had a lot of people, you know, questioning kind of what I was going to do. And they were worried, how's this going to be perceived? What are people going to be saying about my daughter who like, you know, they're so proud of you, right? Like you're kind of, you're living your dream, but that they live vicariously through you. And um, they've been so supportive and, and understanding. And um, I think really proud to, and it's cool to see like them be able to kind of celebrate this as well. Um, so yes, it did, it, it, it did all come together beautifully. And, uh, most of that was out of my control. So I think that's why I feel so, so grateful. Yeah. And, and let, let me ask you, you, you learned the value of your husband or your family, mm -hmm. right? You learn the value of those people that you think, you know, and then you go through something. And I always said, look, I don't care who you think you are, but. I hate to put it this way, but when you're on your deathbed, there's only going to be a few people there. Like, people may come to the mm -hmm. funeral, but there's only going to be a few people right there. And I, You're so right. I think we learn the value of those people, right, when we go through things like this? A hundred percent. We overuse the word family in, in society and in work. And we're a family. We're a family. Bullshit. Your family is your family. And stop acting like anybody else is, is that. Because when it comes down to it, when shit hits a fan and things are tough and, and aren't going well, um, you realize real quick who's on your side and who's going to support you in every possible way. And um, you realize who matters, you know, like, and I think that's what was so hard too, is I realized in the past year, how much time I spent away from my family, what I did dragging my son across the country. And so I could be with him and still work and schlepping them to Bristol and then to a game and having 17 different people watch them and all the crazy shit I did to make it work, which I don't regret. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thankful we found a way, but you realize how much you miss with your family with this job that we do, right? Like you're gone on weekends, you're gone on holidays, you miss weddings, you miss big events. Um, and you justify it because a, it's what you wanted to do and you love to do, but you also justify it because you're like, well, these are my work family. Like these are the people that, you know, support me and care about me as well, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when something like this happens, you realize like, it's just an overused term because a lot of those people aren't going to be there for you. And they, they are conditional relationships. I'm not saying they're bad people, but they're conditional relationships. They're conditional on the amount of time you, you have to spend together. And um, the people that really matter are the ones in your home. And when you're away from them that much, and then you have that kind of time and you go through something like this, it does. It gives you a completely different perspective on who really matters. And there's, and for anybody, it's only a handful of people. And I think we can lose sight of that so easily and take those people for granted. Um, and that's something I definitely won't do again. No, and, and I'm not saying that you did it in the first place, but but we do make those like, I always say this, for whatever the reason, however it happened, me leaving coaching was the best thing. I got to coach my son for six years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I, one of the reasons I always drove to games, at least early in my ESPN career, was because, particularly on Saturdays, I was getting my ass home because my son had usually had a game that night. So if I had an afternoon game in Wisconsin, I was going to drive my brains out to get to the second half. And that's just, that's just part of it. But we all get so tied up. Um, right. Allison, I think in social media, we all get so tied up and, you know, particularly when you made a decision like you made, 
the backlash was just, I, I thought the backlash was just out of stupidity and ignorance towards you. They mm -hmm. didn't, they didn't know. Cause I, you know, very smart people were saying, don't get the vaccine. Media was saying do, but very smart people. The smartest guy I know is a doctor. He's like, yeah, we don't have enough information. I'd be careful. So, but your husband and your family, it's, that's the only thing that freaking matters. I swear to God. That wouldn't yeah, be bad to keep your boss in line, too. You got to keep your <laughs> boss happy, okay? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's, yeah. it's it's interesting to sit here a year later and, like, see how differently people feel. But there was so much fear, right? Like, I refuse out of all of this. I'm like, I can't make any of these decisions based in fear. If I'm doing it for the fear of never working again or, or, or like, the fear of the public re retaliation or whatever, like, that's just not a good place to operate from. I felt very confident in my like decision from a, from like a medical standpoint. I mean, again, I'd had COVID and the, the list of reasons we all talked about. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, I, I empathize with people because I understand why they were so fearful because that's all they were told to be. And there was this like, you're a danger to me if you don't get this vaccine, which just makes no sense. So then the vaccine obviously doesn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so it, it's interesting now because I do think there's been a little bit of a shift um, in how people see it. And you know, a part of me hoped like I was wrong. Like I don't I don't want this. I don't I don't I like whenever these studies come out that show that it does impact fertility um, and menstrual cycles and so forth. People are like, "See, you were right. You were right. Like I should celebrate it." I'm like. Yeah, but it makes me sad because there's a lot of people who were forced to take this that didn't want to take it, who are now dealing with those side effects. I hear from them. They're in our industry. Um, they reach out to me and it breaks my heart. And I, I think it's like a really shitty thing that people, like maybe that's where the conversation needs to shift to next. is isn't so much people like me who, who stood up and said, no, I'm not doing this, but people who were essentially injected against their, their own good conscience um because there's a lot of that and i think those people need to start saying like no this was bullshit i didn't want to do this i was forced to do this um and these are these are the consequences i'm dealing with now because there is a lot of those people and and they probably need more of a voice right now because that's that i don't know that bothers me more than i think anything um because i knew i was going to be all right but i just prayed that everybody else would be too because you know every so many people that i love and care about it people that i've never met were forced to do this um, and they sh never should have been, and they had to do it to take care of their families and keep their jobs or, you know, preserve their freedoms and, and all the different reasons. And that bothers me, um, a lot too. So. Do you feel vindicated at all? You know, in some ways, um, I was thinking about that. I don't know. I don't know if I feel, if I feel vindicated, but I, I mean, yeah, I guess kind of like it feels redemptive <laughs> you know it feels like um yeah like yeah i feel like i feel like there's like an affirmation that i made the right decision if that makes sense like i, I no longer have to wonder you know how bad i just screwed up the rest of my professional life <laughs> i know i'm gonna get another shot and maybe screw it up in a different way <laughs> but um yeah yeah it feels a bit redemptive for sure yeah, I mean, look, we're all human beings, right? I mean, you know, like I, I now I've started driving and I listen to this church and on my way there, and I, and I feel good and I feel great, and it changes my attitude when I get to my radio job, and I've been doing it for about I don't know a year, but then after about I don't know, you know what I mean? After about 
seven tweets to me or emails saying what a jackass I am, then it all comes back, you know? <laughs> 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 I mean, we are human. We are human. I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't blame you one bit. So when you, when you go out, two questions. I just thought of this question. I, I, I was going to ask you, what's the workload now that you know you're back in? How does that change, you know, your day? But the other thing is, um, do you anticipate comments from fans? Do you anticipate any, I don't know, you know. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. People, I'm negativity when they see you, you know what I mean? I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally preparing for that. Um, I'm I'm a little nervous about that because here's the thing: like, there's been so much vitriol and and hatred and and so forth online, but like in my day to day interactions, people have been amazing and and people that I, you know, people that don't agree with like my decision, but they can still respect it and they they know me or they respect me or whatever. Um, so it'll be interesting. I do wonder if there's going to be like any pushback from any schools or administrators like, hey, we're not comfortable with her. I don't know. I mean, that's entirely possible. Um, that concerns me. But um, it'll be interesting to see how people are face to face. Right. Like it, I'm sure there'll be shit yelled from, you know, the stands because there's some anonymity in that. Right. Like well, you can never really tell who exactly said it. So I know that's going to happen. But like people would yell crap anyway, it would just be in a geared in a different direction than what I'm probably going to hear. So, uh, yeah, I, I do. I do expect I'll, I'll be dealing with some of that. Do people, yeah, I mean, I had 12,000 screaming, we hate dockets at the Breslin Center. You were there when uh, me and the one SID <laughs> were going to throw hands oh, at halftime. Oh, I mean, yes, I was. You know, <laughs> uh, do people do that? I mean, do people see you going across and, and in general, you know, say, say stuff? Nasty and bad yeah. stuff, not great stuff. I mean, it's it's not terrible. Yeah, I mean, they'll yell random things. Honestly, do you know what they yell the most? Which isn't this is not a bad thing. Is Aaron Andrews? Aaron Andrews. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know who Aaron Andrews is. And first of all, she wouldn't be doing this game, okay, buddy. Second of all, I'm not. <laughs> so that is what's like. People uh, always yell Aaron Andrews, Aaron Andrews, which is a compliment. But um, yeah, that always cracks me up because I think. But that's a credit to her. Like she's so synonymous with the sideline reporter role. They see a sideline reporter and they're like, it's Aaron Andrews, or they know you'll respond because they. It's like they know you're talking. They're talking about you, but it's just funny. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll yell, you know, things here and there, but never like anything that made me feel super offended or uncomfortable or like I needed to retaliate or like call them out or anything like that. Do you think you'll need security? You know, we always had it anyway um, with ESPN at least. Like there was. Yeah, there was always somebody with us. Um, some of them paid more attention than others. And um, it, I think it's it's smart to have just in case. You just never know. And then the one time you don't have somebody is the one time something happens. And honestly, you need them right. too for like projectiles because, the, you know, especially during like warm-ups or at the half, you know, there's footballs flying everywhere. Um, f- fans have thrown stuff from the stands before. Chris Budden, a good friend of mine, she got like queso thrown on her at I think a Texas game. Um so I think it is always smart just for a deterrent and just to have an extra set of eyes and a head on a swivel to have security. And then also, too, when you're going to do your hits and, like, people are going to walk between you and the camera and, and that type of stuff, they come in handy then. And then especially post-game when it gets a little crazy and players are running and they're not looking and, you know, whatever. 
Um, so yes, I would anticipate having it and we usually, we usually do, which I think is important. And it gives you peace of mind. Yeah, the, yeah, oh God, yeah. the jerk level is gonna be interesting. Uh, I can't wait to mm -hmm. talk to you and hopefully, you know, hopefully people are human beings. And, you know, it's just a, just somebody doing a job, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, you, you yeah, had impact on their family, right? Oh, but some people think I did, right? Because like, if I'm spreading vaccine hesitancy or, you know, I mean, some people are still in that mode. Um, but again, I think enough time has passed that people are like starting to realize okay, it's not maybe what we promised or promised it would be. And I can't be mad at people for not doing this because it doesn't stop transmission and that type of stuff. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I, I hope it's not too bad, um, but I understand like, again, people can feel however they want to feel. I hope they're respectful. Um, I, I fully get that there's a lot of people that think I'm an idiot and will always think I'm an idiot. And that's fine. That's their opinion and they're entitled to it. Um, but again, let's just all remember we're all human at the end of the day. Do you, do you, last thing before I let you go, I want to make sure people are clear on this. The Daily Wire show is happening. I mean, it's, it's it happening is. this month. I mean, that is not going away, right? No, it's right, right around the corner. Um, I know I feel it's, it's crazy, but they are, um, first of all, they're a badass company to work for, but they're, so incredibly talented and perfectionist that like this thing has evolved and we've shifted gears like in February completely from what we had intended to do. And so then it kind of reset itself. Um, but yeah, it's coming out this month. I'm actually shooting the final stuff on Friday for it. Like my kind of monologues and stuff um, to intro the episodes and then they'll have all the pieces in place. And I think within like the next week or two. So I'm excited. It's, it's, it's a, completely different project than I've ever done before. I hope it resonates with people that it allows them to like kind of get to know these subjects in a different way and on a deeper level. Um, and that'll just be part one. And then we'll do a second part with four more interviews as well that we'll shoot throughout the fall. Um, so yes, it is happening. It is for real. I know everybody's like, okay, well, you're going to like work for Fox. I thought you were working for the other water. I'm doing both. I'm doing both. Um, and it is, it is going to, to happen. It'll be worth the wait too, I promise. <laughs> a baby, a healthy baby, a new show on the Daily Wire where you get to speak what you want to speak, a network that mm -hmm. appreciates you, and a network that is, I think, from what I read, poised to have the biggest and the best games in Fox with a great crew. Lady... Perfect example. Good things happen to good people. <laughs> so thankful. So thankful. Yeah. Thank you. It's no, I'm very blessed. And I, I don't take any of it for granted. I'll tell you that much. It's, um, it's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, man. Allison, I'm so happy for you. Thanks for all your help with our show. Thank you. And congratulations. Anytime. Thank you so much. Double D you're, you're the best. best. And I appreciate you hanging with me for the past year. <laughs> Kidding me. I was at the Last Supper with Tariko. Now I'm at the first interview with Allison Williams. So there you go. <laughs> there oh, you that go. was the best. Those were the good old days, I tell you what. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Allison. You're the best. We'll see you. All right, that's the great Allison Williams right there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, good things happen to good people. Really good things happen to really, really, really good people. And Allison Williams caught a lot of hell from a lot of bad people. What else is new, right? 
I mean, that's the world we live in. Newspapers, Twitter, social media, bad people have the biggest voices. And they use them, particularly when you don't go along with their narrative. And Allison is just a prime example that great things happen to great people. And we thank her for coming on. All right, I got a couple awards. And then I got some mean tweets. You people have been mean to me. But first, I must go potty. And then, bottom of the hour, Jason Hammer. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. I'm not very good at this stuff. But I did write some stuff down, so maybe I understand it. But I really don't think that I do. So, Kyler Murray is all mad. Let's go to the damn award, shall we, boys? The damn award. Football is war, but not actually war. Huh? Say what? What? You see, what happened was, Kyler Murray, show the tweet, will you, so that I know a little bit what I'm talking about here. All right. A statistical analysis. Now, this is done by somebody that has a ton of time on their hands, and you know this. A statistical analysis of NFL quarterback Kyler Murray shows that he plays worse when there's actual active double XP weekends happening in Call of Duty. There are rumors that Kyler Murray played a lot of Call of Duty. And these weekends where, uh, can you guys come on the air so that I don't screw this up? These weekends are basically the big weekends, right? Correct? Right. It's the double XP weekends. Just basically you get more points for playing that weekend. You level up faster. Seems like our boy Kyler was playing more then instead of instead of hitting the film. So that's we wonder about the contract situation then. So so long story short. Kyler Murray was minus 7.77 on two XP weekends, which means, correct me if I'm wrong, Dylan, which means that Kyler Murray, when they had big weekends, was basically, I don't know, minus 7.77 worse than he was when they didn't have big weekends. Is that sound right? Is that right to you? Do I have this nailed? That's what he's, that's what this guy's alleging. He's saying that, look, it is proven that on the weekends where Kyler Murray has a big call of duty weekend, the allegation is that Kyler Murray is playing too much. He's not as good You should be upset about it, and you should lose your mind. And, ladies and gentlemen, you should make him study more. Because on week, particularly, you should have put this in. They should have put this in. See, I can't, Dylan can't, and Ryan can't. We can't do all the work for the uh, Arizona Cardinals. But I just want to make daggone sure you understand that we're trying to do the work for you. So we have researched The research shows that Kyler Murray, no good on weekends where you have a new Call of Duty, where it's a big Call of Duty weekend. He's playing too much. 
Saturday night is not for studying. Saturday night is for COD, as us kids call it. And it's killing his team. You want to know why his team put that in? I'll tell you why his team put that in. Because he is not performing to the level that he needs to perform during the weekends when Call of Duty is doing its duty, which is calling you to play. Now, it's not anybody's fault but Kyler Murray's, as I've said the entire time. If you're going to be an NFL quarterback and you're going to play Call of Duty instead of studying, and there is a statistical tweet, which we all know, it used to be two guys in a bar. We know this. It used to be if two guys in a bar told you something, then it was absolute fact. Tell me I'm wrong. Those of you guys that are a little bit older, you're sitting in a bar, one guy's sitting over here, he goes, you know, uh, Kyler Murray plays too much COD. And I would say, what's COD? And they would say, call of duty, dummy. And then the other guy would go, yeah, I heard the same thing. No, I did. No, I heard the same thing. If two guys did it, then that's the deal. His passer, average passer rating on non-2XP weekends is 97.43. His passer rating on 2XP weekends was 89.65, which means, oh, he wasn't as good. There's your 7.77 differential. His completion percentage on non-2XP weekends was 67 0.29. His completion percentage on weekends that had the new 2XP, whatever that means, was 67.17, a 0.12 drop in performance. His win-loss record on non-2XP weekends, 18, 16, and 1. That's a 53% win percentage. On 2XP weekends, Kyler Murray, 4-7. and seven. That's a 36% winning percentage. It's a 17% difference. Kyler Murray, this is the conclusion. This is the conclusion, and I think it's a right conclusion. Let me get back to this. Here's the conclusion by Charlie Intel. Charlie Intel says, Kyler Murray's performance on 2XP weekends is worse in all categories. Clearly, there's no explaining for Kyler's performance deficit other than he's been busy grinding for real character skins. What the hell's that? And excess amounts of XP. If you have any improvements in my shakies, in how my shaky statistics work, or I have missed an in-season 2XP weekend. Let me know. So you know what the first, the first answer to it was by Gavin? Hey, man, stats don't lie. <laughs> That's right. Stats don't lie, ladies and gentlemen. Don't at me about it. Stats don't lie. That's statistical proof that the Arizona Cardinals were right 
in making Kyler Murray study. I would argue that the Arizona Cardinals were right if, well, could have cleaned it up a little bit and said, we want to know when the two XP weekends are, which I don't know if you can know. I'm sure you can. And he has to study four hours a night then and can't be on his Xbox. Let's treat him like the true child. I mean, if we're going to treat him like a child, let's treat him like a true child. No? I don't know. I could be wrong. But the bottom line is we now have proof that Kyler Murray (laughs) – that Kyler Murray was playing too much Call of Duty. Don't at me. And if you think I'm wrong, well, I'm not. That's my answer to all of this. If you think I'm wrong, I'm not. If you think those guys are wrong, they're not. We're right. You're not. How about that action? All right, I got to show you this, man. You talk about nature being undefeated. How about this? Let's look at this thing. Look at that lightning strike, will you? Man. Uh, this is from Knoxville Fireman. Saw little, saw little no-filter lightning at Station 9 this evening. Stay safe out there. If you hear thunder, you can be struck by lightning. Is that unbelievable picture? Look at that. Why would anybody, anytime, anywhere, think that you can mess around with Mother Nature? Used to be a commercial. You can't fool with Mother Nature. Why would you ever think that you could? Let me ask you a question. I get it. We're all doing our climate, environment, whatever stuff. But when you look at something like this, you go, my God. What is, what? could be more powerful than that. I mean, man, there's nothing man-made like that. That's unbelievable. No, that, that to me is one of the greatest shots you're ever going to see of the power of lightning, period. That's amazing. My guys were working last night, Dylan and Ryan. They were getting after it. I was driving back from a golf outing. Hell, I was playing one of the great golf courses in the country, Medina Country Club, with two of my best friends, my brother and my best, one of my best friends, Billy, and his son. And we're raising money. We're doing stuff. I don't get home. And these guys are putting together things like this. That's how great this show is. Salute. And I got my Nashville Cup today because that's where they live, Nashville, Nash Vegas. We sip for you today. Yeah, we do. All right. How do I put this? It's just different when you're at Alabama playing football. And by the way, we got mean tweets coming up. It's just different. I'm sorry. It's just different. And I absolutely love it. See, Mike Woodson took over Indiana basketball. And they finished ninth in the Big Ten. They got to the NCAA tournament. They won a play-in game and got beat by 30 by the collar, by St. Mary's. Riders around here, oh, man, great first year. Okay, agreed. He got to the NCAA tournament. That's the level Indiana basketball, the vaunted Indiana basketball, that's the level they're at right there. That's the level. Alabama, not really at the same level. Last year, all Alabama did was win 13 games. All they did was win a conference title. All they did was get to the Final Four. All they did was get to the championship game. 
Nick Saban called it a rebuilding year. Do you know what happens to coaches that do what Nick Saban did last year? Do you know? They get put in Hall of Fames. They get statues raised above them. They get raises. They get monetary dispensation. Dispensation. I don't know if dispensation's right. In the tens of millions for doing that once. Doing that once. What does Nick Saban say? Yeah, no. Uh Uh-uh. No. No, 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 no. Uh, It's good. It's good. Not mad at it. But we went 13-2. and That's two more losses than are acceptable here. Now, you got to understand something about Nick Saban. He didn't exactly take over a juggernaut. But he's made it into the greatest college football program ever. And if you doubted it, understand when you heard the voice of Nick Saban talking about this 13-2, and talking about last year, talking about how he expects to be better this year, nine returning starters on offense, Bryce Young, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, he means it. This isn't just nonsensical, I'm a coach. I uh, got to explain. What coach has to explain to a fan base losing the national championship game other than Nick Saban? Who? Does any? If there is, I don't know him. What other coach at 13-2, and two, conference title, which, by the way, I want you to think about this. They give away rings for the conference championship. You get a ring. You do. Like, in basketball, there are only a few things, conference, conference tournament, Final Four. You know, some schools give you for making the NCAA tournament. You get a little watch for that. That's nice. But these guys won rings. These guys went to the Final Four and won 13 games. I love what Nick Saban's doing. I don't like it. I love it. And why do you think Nick Saban is where Nick Saban is? Why do you think Urban Meyer was arguably the second greatest coach in college football history. Why do you think Belichick, we're going to find out about Belichick, but why do you think Belichick's always ahead? And it ain't cheating, by the way. Why do you think he's always ahead of the NFL? Because they demand, they have expectations, and they expect everybody in the program to meet those damn expectations. Period. And if you don't, hey, I don't know what to tell you, but I love it. We have no expectations in this world. Hell, our media can say whatever they want, however they want. Our president can change words. We're changing words now. Zero expectations. Everybody's a victim. Oh, my God, can you believe they said this? Not Nick Saban, baby. Nick Saban sits right there, folds his arms, 13-2, and conference title, final four, National championship game, rebuilding. God, do I love it. I wish everyone was like that. I do. I wish everyone in sports was like that. I wish we took our teams back, whether it's college or the pros. I wish that we didn't acquiesce to some 18 to 22-year-olds' whims in college, and I wish pro pro franchises understood that, look, Holding people accountable isn't racist, isn't sexist, isn't elitist. It's just good business. 
One of the things in my life that I have felt like is, for whatever the reason, however it was ingrained in me, I feel like I'm accountable every day for whatever. I don't even know what. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God bless Nick Saban, baby. I wish more coaches were like him. A lot of coaches talk to talk. They wear their little suits. They get up there. They talk about game week. Please. 13-2, and two, conference title. Nick Saban, rebuilding. Love it. All right. According to Dylan, this has not been a horrible week for mean tweets. What's wrong with me? A couple weeks ago, my friends at the Indy Star came at me. That was a bad week for them for mean tweets. It was a really bad week for them. They got crushed coming at me the way they did. I mean crushed. Go to Facebook. Look up the ads for the Indy Star. Look up the articles. I mean, my God, people are killing them. Generally, I get mean tweets. But Dylan is telling me we only got five or six this week. Let's roll them, big boy. What do you got? What are you giving me? This Rodney Falls guy. So this guy here, you know what this is in response to? This is in response to me saying, me actually saying that it is horrific that officers get killed. Now, this is this guy. See, this guy comes at me like it's his job. Apparently, he refereed a game of mine when I was coaching my son, and I was mean to Rodney Falls. And Rodney Falls on Twitter, he's going to come at me. This, I'm glad you put this up there. This is a Democrat, and if you go to his Twitter handle, all he does is defend nonsense. Well, Rodney is mad that I sent out a tweet saying horrible, absolutely horrific. There was a new report. 210 officers, police officers, shot so far in 2022. 39 killed. That's a 14% increase. 46 ambush attacks. 18 of those officers killed. This is from a friend of mine, or a lady that I know, I shouldn't say a friend, Angela Ganote. She's a Fox reporter here in Indy. My quote tweet was, horrible, absolutely horrific. And that's Rodney's response. See, I responded to Rodney saying, yeah, you're just a horrible person. So what will happen now is I'll be the bully. No, I don't care. That's unbelievable. I'm glad you put that. Rodney's been mad. You were a jackass when you were coaching your son. I was a referee. We didn't like it. Yeah, tough. This guy apparently must support police killings. I don't. Go ahead. What do you got next, big boy? Doesn't look like many people are adding you in jail, or in general. You know what I think? Seriously. I think I have 155,100 bots. I do. I don't think anybody other than the people I actually know and the people that come at me every day, I think I probably have 100 real followers. I don't know 100 people. But every time there's something negative written about me or said about me, the same group of people respond. And this guy's one of them. 
So this guy decides, well, nobody, I agree. I can't get a bunch of adding, so don't at me. You know what that means? The world as we know it is listening to don't at me. See the me? See the me? Wait, where the hell's the me? Why am I going that way? There's the me. I can't even do, I can, don't at me. And people are listening. I got to tell you, one of the great things that I have found, my brother and I were talking about it yesterday, is the interest in my life. My life is so boring. But damn, I can say something on the radio on a midday show in Indianapolis and it makes it all the way to the USA Today. We say something on this show. I don't know if you guys have noticed, Dylan and Ryan, but basically every day uh, Barrett's media has taken something from our show. Our show is absolutely rolling. So I don't know whether people are adding me or not, but I do know this. We're rolling, baby, here at OutKick, and I love every minute of it. Bada-bing! What do you got next, big boy? Who's coming in? Bring it. Bring it. False. I criticize you often because you are basically a rhino scrotum with eyes. I offer much more to the world than you ever will. All right, I assume the rhino is, what is it, Republican in name only or something like that? Isn't that what a rhino is? Isn't that what all the little shavers go crazy over? That is. A scrotum with eyes. See, this is the disappointing thing for me. I got to tell you, when I shaved my head, people told me that it was going to be life-changing. Women would love it. One does. My wife. That's all I really care about. Dudes will be like, hey, man. Hey, man. I got to tell you, man. I love it. I love it. I I don't think... Um, I, I don't think that this head has gotten the respect that it deserves. A rhino scrotum with eyes. I wish I'd have known we should have put up a rhino scrotum. I'm looking it up. A rhino scrotum with eyes. Dylan, I can see it. I I can see it. Ryan's pulling that up. I can see it. All right. right. We're going to try to get a a rhino scrotum if we can. I don't know what to tell you. Let's move along. This guy, we've, get, we've wasted too much time from this fake account. And it is a fake account. Oh, boy, that's true. Oh, hell yeah. I do. Everybody does. All the greats do. So, MB Stinger, why are you mad about that? MB Stinger, why are you upset about that? MB Stinger... What's going on with you? Well, so you're making fun of mental health? I've been very open about my mental health issues. I've been very open about the things that have been involved in my life. Uh, I've been very open about the fact that I suffered from real depression when I was losing games at Bowling Green and I knew we had no chance. I don't understand it. I don't. Why are you making fun? MB, 
of mental health? Isn't that one of the, oh, I don't know, uh, taboos for people? I mean, are you bullying me? Does it feel good bullying me? I've been bullied. He's mean to me. Why are you being mean to me? Don't be mean to me. I got these guys on mute, so I haven't seen all these. But we're just here because, well, I don't know. We're going to make fun of mental health. Yeah, I'm on Lexapro. So's everybody you know. Yeah, I had real depression. I couldn't get my, uh, uh, my head off the pillow. Very open about all of that. I got no problem with any of that. None. I do need a psychiatrist, 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 psychiatrist. I'm hearing echoes in my head. Oh, my God. Where are those flies at? Of course I do. You do, too. We all do. (laughs) Oh, man. You're at the very top of the list of self-proclaimed victim along with every other radio host. Every other one? I don't think every radio host is a victim. In fact, I'm going to have Jason Hammer on here from Hammer and Nigel, number one show in Indy, in about three or four minutes. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think he is. Of course I'm a victim. We're all victims. Everybody's a victim. King of pain, you're mean to me. So I'm a victim. You're bullying me. You're horrible. Awful. You'll be mean to me. People just make stuff up, man. People can just say stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm a victim, but I don't know why you're picking on radio hosts. That seems very radio hostist. Are you a hostess? Don't be a hostess. Well, hostess isn't bad. Yeah, be, I, in fact, I stopped and got hostess Twinkies last night. I-S-T, not E-S-S. Why are you hating on radio hosts? Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right at all. But anyway, I got all these fake accounts that come at me. I mean, one day I did everything from break up families to being on Epstein's uh, plane to being on Epstein's island. True story. In one afternoon. In one afternoon, I got like 10 different people saying that I called him a meth head on air. Because I offered $5,000 if anybody could show who I called a meth head on air. It's unbelievable. Every day, I'm just a bad guy. Every day, there's something else. What will it be today? I don't know. I've never been on Epstein's Island. (laughs) Man. All right. Uh, Is that it for that? That was it. Kind of a light week. Yeah, light week this week. There'll be more. I will have uh, killed Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, had sex with somebody in the royal family. Uh, what else can we do this week? Had 10 more people say that I called them a meth head. And I don't know. Let me tell you something. Let me explain this to you. My life ain't that interesting. I had a wife for 22 years that I'd never cheated on. Now I got another wife. I got one job for 15 years, one job for 10 years before that that I didn't do anything other than show up to work. I got two kids that I fawn over. I go to work every day, every day, come home, hang out, 
drink a glass of wine, maybe play golf and go to bed. It just ain't, it has never been that interesting. I can promise you, never, ever. When I did games for college basketball, I would leave the house, drive to the game, spend the night, do the game, drive home by myself. It ain't that interesting. But salute to all of you that act like it is. I appreciate you. The greatest, Jason Allen Hammer. We got a lot to talk about, including Sean King. Sean King, baby, what are you doing with the money? Heesh. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. It's Hammer Time. Bum, 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 bum. It's the greatest show in the world. It is called Hammer Nigel. You can get it at 93.1 WIBC.com. HT, before we get to anything remotely interesting, what's going on here with Sean King? What Sean King tried to do? What did he try to do? This may come as a shock to you and all of your brilliant viewers watching around the nation, but Sean King is an idiot. Sean King <laughs> is the radical activist, very Black Lives Matter, very defund the police. Um, he has made a living being a race hustler. This dude makes Al Sharpton looks like the JV team when it comes to race hustling. And the thing is, we're not even sure if he's black or not, but he's all in on Black Lives Matter. Well, he started this political action group where he's taking donor money and he's raising a lot of money because he wants to make sure that people of color get elected and people who want to defund the police are elected. That's his platform. And every dollar raised will go to that cause, except for $40,000 that he stole to give a gift to his family and the gift was a dog. A $40,000 dog was a gift to his family from all the donor money. So if you're keeping score at home here, Coach, think about this. If you're somebody that has donated to Black Lives Matter, you've got Patrice Cullors living in multiple mansions, a $6 million mansion on the coast. You've got Sean King old Talcum X himself hijacking your money to get a dog for the family, which he says he needed for protection, which has since been given back to the place where he bought the dog only after he got caught. The whole Black Lives Matter movement, the political movement has been a scam. Anybody who donated to that, you got taken for a ride. Now, the other question I have is, where are all of these folks like Sean King, like Patrice Cullors, and all these major organizations that they were real quick to bail out the, rioter, the rioters for the Black Lives Matter movement? But now that some of these cities have either, one, never received a dime from the National Black Lives Matter Political Committee, or two, their cities are still in ruin. Minneapolis is a hellhole right now. They have never recovered from the George Floyd riots and yet you don't see any of these companies, any of these celebrities, any of these activists willing to help out the black community and try to build those communities back up. I don't see Justin Timberlake. I don't see Stephen Carell. And I sure as hell don't see these frauds from the Black Lives Matter political organization, Sean King, and even your vice president, Kamala Harris. You know, let's go back to Sean King. I I'm great. You know, there, there, and, and, and let me just say this, and I'll let you explain this. There are two 
separate things here. The Black Lives Matter actual movement and the Black Lives Matter business, I guess, right? Right. Correct. Yes. Black Lives Matter movement is alive. It's a good thing. Yes, it's something that needs to be discussed. But when people started to make money off of it, when it became a political action committee, when it became a PAC, when it became an organization and money was coming in and people were capitalizing off the brutal murder of George Floyd, there's a lot of cities, Indianapolis, Denver, Chicago, Philadelphia, that filed complaints with the head of Black Lives Matter's organization because they never really saw the money. All of these companies that donated money, where did the money go? Well, I'll tell you where some of it went. Patrice Culler's multiple mansions and Sean King's dogs. $40,000 dog. That's it. I don't know if the damn thing was gold-plated. I don't know if it runs the 40, you know, faster than DK Metcalf. I don't know. But that seems like an awful lot of money for a dog coach. Hey, a $40,000 dog better crap golden nuggets if I'm buying a $40,000 dog, brother. I'm not, what the <laughs> hell? Jeez. Um, the thing I don't like about King is, I, look, be yourself, live your life, but don't all of a sudden become a grifter and, hey, look, I can be black when I'm white and make money off of this, and then scam people, and then anytime somebody comes at you, he becomes a victim even more, and people actually buy this guy. That drives me nuts. They do. They do. And there's a lot of money in being a grifter. Again, Al Sharpton's been playing this game for a long time. Uh, Ellie Mistel, who goes on uh, MSNBC, he's their new race guy. You know, he's the big fat bastard with the Dick Versace haircut. He's kind of their new golden boy when it comes to making all things about race. But still, look at the money. Follow the money. At least with Ellie Mistel, he's not running a scam. You know, Al Sharpton's been in trouble with the law, but there's not an article about him out right now saying, hey, how come you have multiple mansions? Why do you have a $40,000 dog? Where's the money going? See, you can have your opinion. You can make a career on being a race hustler. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a free country. If people are willing to listen to you, you've got the green light to say it. But when you start screwing with people's money, I believe it was Big Perm in the movie Friday who once said, and I quote, you play with my money, you're playing with my emotions. And these two losers, Sean King and Patrice Cullors, playing with a lot of emotions right now. Yeah, it's really amazing. And, and you know, you know the deal. I mean, people that don't like you and I having the conversation will immediately call racism, will immediately say it's just a simple fact. And one of the things that I've always said, uh, Jason, is if you treat everybody the same, it ain't racist. And I think we would be treating no matter who it was. And I think we have treated people uh, in the white community that have scammed people. At least I know I have, and I know you have. Yeah, uh, the same. Absolutely. So that's, you know, just, so don't even start with that crap on us. Don't even begin right. that crap with us. I said the other week, if I were to win that big mega millions jackpot that got over a billion dollars, I could honestly say the money never changed who I was. I was a rotten bastard before. I might be a rotten bastard afterwards, but I'll be a fair rotten bastard, coach. And that's what it's about. That's exactly right. I mean, hell, uh, your rotten bastardness is on display every day. My rotten bastardness <laughs> is on display every day. And then my... 
But for me, it gets written about and repeated. Yours, you guys, uh, you, you just you just move it to number one, which I like. Hey, uh, Angela Ganote had something the other day. 210 police officers shot so far in 2022. 39 killed. 14% increase. 46 ambush attacks. 18 of those 46 officers have died. I go back, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe I'm going too deep here, but I go back to when Obama was president, and he really didn't support the police. He did not jump up and down and condemn these ambushes, or am I wrong about that? No, you're right. It started with that, and then it really got amplified in the summer of love in 2020, where, again, after the brutal killing of George Floyd, um, a lot of criminals felt emboldened. They felt like they owed it to police officers to take uh, you know, their lives into their own hands, basically. And ever since then, there's never really been a drawback. You see attacks on law officers every day. Now, not every law officer is a good guy. I'll say that right now. I'm the biggest supporter of the police in this country. I've got family members who are police officers, but they will tell you, Nobody hates bad cops more than good cops and good people. They make the entire batch look bad. So when something does happen, like in Minneapolis with George Floyd, you know, it's embarrassing. It's a, it's a shame. But that does not give people the right to drive around this country and feel emboldened. But they feel that way because of local politicians, your local mayors, your local prosecutors. They've decided to make the justice system, a political wing, right? Uh, prosecuting bad guys should not be some sort of partisan issue. Everybody should want bad guys to go away, but that's not the case. And here's an example of what I'm talking about. Here in Indianapolis, a officer was shot and killed last week from a suburb of Indy up in Elwood. Young officer, had served five years in the military, 11 months on the force, 24 years old, just the most likable guy, just gunned down viciously before he even got out of his car during a traffic stop. The guy that shot him has a rap sheet longer than a CVS receipt, including back in 2006, being charged with attempted murder for shooting at police officers in Indianapolis. So a guy who was charged with shooting at police officers ultimately got a lesser charge, lesser sentence, hit with 23 years, only served 13 of it, was back on the street, one crime after the other, and he kills this officer. I get everybody's all in on justice reform. I get that. You should not spend, you know, five years of your life behind bars for getting busted with weed. But if you are a SVF, a serious violent felon, and you have a history of it, if you are a habitual bad guy, lock them up. Do not let these people out. There's a reason why every time there's a major crime on the news, you see their mug shots pretty damn quick. It's because it exists. Habitual problems, repeat offenders, and it's happening right now all over this country, not just with going after law enforcement, but crimes in general. But you really see it with law enforcement. A lot of people saw what happened in 2020 and they thought, well, hell, I can get away with it. There's a war on police right now. The prosecutor in my city, he's on my side. He's going to give me a slap on the wrist, maybe a GPS bracelet. I'll be out on the street here in a couple of days. Sadly, they might not be wrong.
George Soros doubled down on him backing soft on crime prosecutors, no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at the major cities around this country, 99% of them are very blue cities. Uh, Democrat mayor, Democrat city council, Democrat prosecutor. In my city, again, bringing it back here to Indianapolis, the prosecutor in Indianapolis acts more like a public defender. He tells you more about the people he's not going to prosecute than the people he's going to prosecute. Well, we're not going to prosecute people with weed. We're not going to prosecute uh, people trying to get an abortion. We're going to go light on people who are peacefully protesting. It's funny how the peaceful protesters that broke multiple windows, set multiple fires in places all around the country were let out pretty damn quick. And this is what I'm talking about. These are the Soros-inspired folks that are feeling emboldened, whether it's against law enforcement, whether it's against society in general. Criminals feel like you're not going to lock me up. And right now in major cities, they don't feel like the police chief has a grasp Uh-oh. 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 He froze on us. He ain't wrong either. Police chief having a grasp on the city. Okay. I think he's got to go. I think he only had 15 minutes. So tell Jason thanks, and I know he had to go somewhere, okay? Uh, And we'll continue on. But the one thing that upsets me about this whole deal is – There's a couple things I don't understand. Number one, how do you defend ambushing police officers? Can anybody explain that to me? Like, how do you defend that? How How do you say anything other than, my God, what the hell are you doing? Like, I get it. I've had a gun put to my head three times by police officers. I have three times. I had once. Uh, on a deserted road when I was in high school, and I passed. Do we have Jason back? Two? Uh, we, You back? I think I'm back. Am I here? Can you hear me? Yeah, hey, yeah, I got you. Hey, you were saying that police chiefs, I was thinking you were going to say, feel like they are not backed up. That's where we lost you. 100%. You're seeing in a lot of these big cities that have crime issues that are led by Democrats right now that the city councils, the mayors, and the prosecutor office, they're kind of pulling the strings on the police chief. Here in my city, you've got a new board set up by your very Democrat city county council that basically tells the chief of police what to do. I don't like that at all. I hate that. But you get the government that you vote for. You get the government you deserve. I can sit here and bitch and whine and cry all I want about how I hate what's happening in my city, but, you know, apparently people like crime. People like woke politics in large cities because they keep electing these same losers. This is why voting in your local elections is so important. Everybody gets out to vote on presidential elections. Midterms even have a pretty good turnout. But every year when you're voting on city council members, when you're voting on prosecutors, when you're voting on local mayors. These are the people that dictate your life and where you live more than anybody in the White House. And you've got to get out and vote for the person that you think is going to do the best job. Hey, I just saw a tweet from uh, your show. 
29 years ago. We had nuggies and we had punches. <laughs> we <laughs> we did. We had old man strength. 29 years ago on this date, Robin Ventura made the decision to charge Nolan Ryan on the mound. And one of the great old man beatdowns of all time ensued. We had a headlock. We had noogies. We had punches. We had old man strength. And I'm here for it, coach. Robin Ventura told Benetti, he goes, yeah, when he ran out there, uh, when I'm running out there, I'm like, this is such a bad idea. Right? <laughs> 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 and 29 years later, man, we still think about it, don't we? I mean, it's amazing. It really is. 29 years. I know you got to run, my friend. I appreciate your 15 minutes today and being flexible for us. Have a wonderful weekend. You got it. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's Jason Hammer, Hammer and Nigel at Hammer and Nigel or at Jason Allen Hammer is a great, great Twitter follow. And he put it out. I'll retweet it. He put it out. Nolan Ryan has his chin down there. He's got Ventura by the headlock and he getting ready to strike. Actually, the fist was a little lower. He getting ready to strike down low and have at him. Yeah. 29 freaking years ago. I'm going to tell you right now, when your mother or your father or your sister or your brother or your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, I don't care who it is, tells you, don't blink because life goes fast. Man, 29 years, I'm telling you right now, that seemed, that didn't seem like 29 years. It didn't seem like yesterday either. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I just tweeted it out. It is unbelievable. And I'm sure I haven't seen it today. I got uh, my television on, but I haven't seen it today. But, man, it is good video. All right. Give it to me, baby. Give me the woke adope. Who's our woke adope for today? What we do is uh, every day we pick out somebody, and it's usually from the libs of TikTok, where they keep getting suspended and violating and all this kind of stuff. But we pick out every day somebody that is so woke that they just can't help themselves from being stupid. All right? They can't. The level of stupid, the level of hypocrisy, the level of whatever you want to call it is absolutely amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And so what we do is we celebrate those people. We celebrate your woke dopeness, your dopeness as a wokey. And really, woke is interesting, however you want to define it. Just don't be a crazy hypocrite. What we got here, boys? What are we doing? What do we got? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, it's the libs of TikTok. Ask me my pronouns now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, well, I, I got to go back to something. I got to go back to something that the libs of TikTok and everybody else had talked about uh, a while ago, and that is this. Stop with the drag shows in schools. Hi there. All right. This is hanging in the doctor's office in Canada. These are the people you are supposed to have with your health care. Let's look at it. Ask me my pronouns. 
Hi there, my name is Dan, and I use she, her, he, him. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. They, she, he, they, she, he. They, them. Pronouns. How can I help you today? Using and respecting pronouns creates inclusive and affirming spaces for everything. Does it really? I mean, does it really? Like, why, who gets to determine that using these pronouns makes for, let me read it here, an inclusive and affirming space? And why does everything have to be affirmed? Like, why does everything you do have to be affirmed? Why does my ugliness have to be affirmed? I got so many people every day that tell me, Doc, it's you look like a rhino scrotum. I got so many people every day that tell me how ugly I am. Why does that have to be affirmed? Why does everything we do in this world have to be okayed by others? Is there no self-confidence in this world? Is there no ego? I'm not saying pride. Pride will kill you. Well, pride's not bad to a certain degree. But is there no, I don't know. Is there no, I am this, I'm good with me. I hear this all the time in every different community, whether it's, what I, name a community, I'm happy in my own skin. I'm really happy I get to be me. Finally, we get to be who I think, I get to be who I think I have always been. That's great. Why do you need that affirmed? Again, I'm pleading ignorance on this. I just opened it up for you folks that hate me. When you say a word like that, man, that, oh, of course, you're ignorant all the time, Doc. It's yes, 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 yes. But why does everything that everybody does need to be affirmed by somebody else or some other group? I'm open. I'm all ears. I am. I am all ears to know why such self-confident people, and we, we see them all across the woke, the millennial, all across the world. We see them. I get to live my life the way I want it. Why do you need it affirmed? Why does everything have to be affirmed? It's very stunning to me. Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe I live in a weird world. Maybe I was raised differently. Maybe I'm raising my children differently, but I don't think my daughter has to be affirmed every day by somebody she does not know, or, ladies and gentlemen, she has to be affirmed by a doctor's office saying they, she, him, her, it. I don't know. What do you feel like today, Laura? Well, I feel like a tree. Oh, okay. If you're living your best life, and you're comfortable with who you are, why do we have to have an affirming? I don't get it. Hey, look, you want to use pronouns? I care less. It's not part of my thing. It's not part of my, and if that makes me a bad person, then fine, I'm a bad person. But I try to treat people pretty well for the most part. But the truth of the matter is, why do we all need this affirmation? I don't know, man. The world is crazy. We want to be big guy. We want to be strong. We want to be until, well, we're not. And then, well, you got to affirm us. Okay. All right. Um, I don't have, I don't have anything for you on Brittany Griner yet. Today, as we're going to 
end the week. Today is supposedly the day that Brittany Griner will learn her fate. That fate, I think, though, is still going to be up in the air because I think even if it is a nine-and-a-half-year sentence, which the prosecutor apparently wants to give Brittany Griner, and remember, I told you this before, like 99% of cases that go in front of a judge in Russia end up in a conviction. And in fact, if Brittany Griner were to be deemed not guilty, in an odd deal, the government can appeal Brittany Griner's acquittal. By all accounts, Brittany Griner is going to be sentenced to nine and a half years. That doesn't end it. It doesn't, because you're still talking about the highest level of government, the Secretary of State and others meeting to try to make a deal. All right. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but she needs to be out. This is absolutely grotesque. There's an interesting article, I believe, on OutKick about it. I talked about this four freaking weeks ago. Four, uh, excuse me, two months ago. She had already been in for four months, and I thought to myself, you know what? This is sick. This is wrong. It's just wrong. This does not need to happen. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully people will say, hey, look, look. She's done enough time. And the reason it's nine and a half years is because, well, frankly, the, uh, that just happened. Uh, frankly, the, what's it called, wants 10 years and she's already done six months. So they're letting her go at six months. That's the way I read it. Now you may read it differently, but that's the way I read it. We'll see what happens. All right, more of this. I guess I'm not going to Colts camp today. It's raining like crazy at my house. Maybe it's raining at your house. I don't know. But I hope everybody has a great weekend. Remember, we start Fridays after Labor Day. We'll be off Labor Day. Then I think right after that, I think we go to Fridays. The show is absolutely rolling. I keep asking you, retweet. Do all the good stuff, man. Do all the good stuff that you're supposed to do. Retweet our stuff. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Instagram. Put it on Bumble. Put it on Twitch. Put it on, I just heard a bumble yesterday, I don't even know what it is. Put it on all those things. What's that thing you swipe right? But anyway, Dylan, Ryan, Davey, another great week. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. We got football tonight, the Hall of Fame game. We'll be talking about it on Monday right here at Don't At Me. If you want to catch this act, if you want to get involved in this whole thing, noon to three, 1075, The Fan. Dockage is out. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. See you.